0: It's all right. Because that's my testimony this morning. It's all right. Dawn, my wife, and I have been coming to Gateway for for about four years, give or take, somewhere in there. I don't know exactly three and a half, four. And many of you may know me. Some of you know me quite well. Some of you know me a little bit. Some of you don't know me very much at all, other than maybe that my name is Terry. So I want to start this morning by. Telling you just a little bit, other than that, I was a little nervous, a little bit about who I am and where I come from so that you have a sense of where I'm at this morning as I share. I grew up in southwest Minnesota. I attended a Lutheran church that at the time was very conservative, very liturgical, taught the word seven minutes at a time every Sunday. When Dawn and I were married, the first church we attended as a couple was a Baptist church in Colorado with a fiery little preacher that would jump up and down as he preached, sometimes for an hour or more. I'm going to do my best not to do that this morning. And the choir would sing before the message and after the message and sometimes right on during the message because he'd get fired up. And that was exciting. We learned something about exuberant worship in that place. And we came back to Minnesota and we attended, and this is going to throw some of you off. There's a couple of you who've actually gone to the church we went to, so it'll make sense. We went to a charismatic Lutheran church for about a dozen years. And we learned about the power of the Holy Spirit and the the active, real nature of the Holy Spirit, alive and well today. And then I ended up pastoring in Assemblies of God church for a few years. So Lutheran, Baptist, assembly, and, and traveled with a music group for a while that sang in, in everything that you can imagine in terms of denomination. And about four years ago, God said, I want to put you here. And he placed us a mile from our home, a beautiful four-and-a-half-minute commute, especially now that the lights are working, on Highway 10 in Joplin, and he said, I want you to go there, and I want you to be part of that family, and we came, and we, we heard exactly what we needed to hear from God the first week we came here. It was exactly the message that God had for us that week, and we knew, we just, we just knew this is where we need to be. I'm going to do something that, that I wouldn't necessarily do, but I, I want to take this opportunity in, in as quick a fashion as I can to say thank you to just a few people. I don't normally do this. I wouldn't normally do this. In fact, my wife's going to say, you forgot about so-and-so and so-and-so, and now they're going to be upset. So if I'm, I, I just want to point something out. And, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to use a couple of you as examples, and I didn't tell you in advance, but I think you'll be okay with it. I want to say thank you because it gets to the point that I want to make a little bit later, okay? Within the first month or so that I was here, Craig Skiestad introduced me to a gentleman that was further evidence that God had divinely appointed our placement here at Gateway. He invited me to who? Who did I meet with? Don Ryther. Don Reiter. <laughs> almost immediately after we got here. And I met Don and I I heard about the ministry that Don does across the highway at the prison and I was able to be involved with that for a while. And it was wonderful and it was God saying to me, this is part of the plan that I have for you right here, right now in this place. And it was wonderful. A couple weeks later, I was able to meet other people. I met this gentleman over here. Mr. Evanson. And I can remember sitting right over here, because this is where we normally sit. For all of you over there, I'm sorry, I don't know you as well, because you don't sit over here. We usually sit right over here. That's my wife in the middle. She didn't want to sit up front. I'm not going to make her stand up, because she would make my day very difficult if I did. (laughs) But I remember sitting behind Jeff Evanson here, and, and as the message was being shared and worship was happening, I remember God giving me a word for Jeff about his ministry. And how God was going to place him in a bigger pond. I remember those words. And I think, oh, thank you, Lord. There's so much happening here. And, and Jeff, I, I, want to, I want to share this. Jeff has such a heart. Many of you know that. He shared Wednesday night with the youth group. And he stood right here. And he held up a beautiful fake diamond. Huge, so that it could be seen. Right? It was beautiful. And he talked about the facets of Jesus. And how as we grow in our knowledge of him, we learn more and more like a new facet shining. And he gives us these glimpses of himself as we experience him. And I love that, Jeff. And it fits so perfectly with where I've been this week. So I want you to know that. Thank you. Don, thank you. So many others of you here, thank you for what you have done for me, for my family, in the time that we've been here. You see, there's something that happens when people come together as the body of Christ that enables the character of Christ to be shown and experienced. I learned a little bit more about unashamed faith from yogi. In conversation with him, because I saw him having the same conversation at Panera, and I've learned from each of these people, and many, many of you, many of you. Why do I say that? In Hebrews ten, it tells us not to forego the gathering together. Don't stop getting together. And as a church, right now we're in we're in a very unique situation. It's not necessarily unique in society. There are churches going through the process that we're in all the time. But Gateway hasn't gone through the process that we're in for a very, very, very long time. And over the past 12 hours, I mentioned it earlier, God has, has taken the things that I've been preparing and he's, he's thrown in just little tidbits And I give this as a testimony, not not of the word that I'm sharing here today, but of his faithfulness, of his goodness. He has said, yes, that's the verse. Yes, that's the point that needs to come out. I've been preparing this last week, a message from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and many of you right away will say, "Ah, I think I know where he's going, I know that verse. It's a great one, it's one of, kind of three pieces of Scripture that I almost use as milestones, markers in my life. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's my 12, 1 and 2 combo. And then uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 into verse uh, chapter 12. Those are key Scriptures that I, I use as markers, as, as lighthouses, if you will, when I'm thinking about life. And to complete part of this testimony of what God has done. Last night, as I was getting ready for bed, just kind of putting the final little thoughts on my paper here, I was flipping through and came across a channel and someone was preaching on Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I was like, oh, thanks, Lord, that was good. And then I flipped another, and there was a different preacher preaching a story out of Mark, which just happens to be one of the example verses that I reference today. I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. And then I get here this morning, and the verse of the day in my Bible app is from Ephesians 2.10. And I want you to hear this because it sets up everything that we have. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How many of you, if I asked with a show of hands, would say you believe that that God has an interest in our day-to-day lives? Most of us can probably agree, yeah, He has an interest in it. How many of you might go as far as to say He has a divine concern for the activities of our day and creates opportunities for us, sets up divine appointments. That's great. If we can agree to that, that'll give us a place to start here. And if if you're not sure about that, listen along and and maybe maybe you'll come to that conclusion as we go. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. He has a path for our life that is the best path. And he wants us to follow that. He wants us to find our way along that perfect path that he has for us. So let's look at Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we kind of had an image of that in the song, didn't we? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's so much in here. And and like I said, this is one of those verses that, that I've gone back to time and time and time again over my life. And yet... Every time I do, it's alive and different and new and fresh for me. This week, studying this, new facets of God's character came out. So I want to hit the context of this just a little bit, give you a background, and then I want to talk about a couple of things. There's, there's a couple of key words that I want to highlight. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this comes right after chapter 11 in Hebrews, where we get the litany of all these heroes of faith. Chapter 11 starts, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's the substance. So often we think about a word like faith, and we say, well, it believe... This is, this is where my heart is. And yet, in Hebrews 11:1, it calls it substance, evidence. There's something tangible about it. And I want you to keep that in mind. there's something that you can reach out and touch about it. And chapter 11 gives us testimony of great heroes of faith that had gone before. He says, how much more do I need to say? In verse 32, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. Hallelujah, praise God, right? God is at work in the lives of these people. And it used a verb for every one of them. Fought, battled, received. There was something that you could point to and say, that happened. And it was active. And we could stop right there and we could, we could clap our hands and we could sing another praise song and and. Leave here feeling wonderful and happy, except the verses go on, and I want to point this out because without this context, you can get misunderstanding. But it continues. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Not nearly as easy to clap our hands and shout about, is it? And yet, it says, all of these, all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us. Listen to those words. God had something better in mind for us. It's hard to go through transition. It is hard to go through difficulty. It is hard to experience change sometimes. And yet, God has something better in mind for us. And it doesn't matter if it's clap your hands and shout praiseworthy, or if it's something that might cause a little bit of fear, God has something better in mind for us. Do you hear those words? What is it? They didn't see the fulfillment of their promise. These great heroes of faith. But God had something better in mind. That they would share with us. How many of you would like to know what that is? How many of you would like to experience what that is? What God himself has in mind for you and for me and for Gateway. How many of you would like to know and experience that? Yes. Why would we not? Hebrews 12 gives us a hint. And it tells us that there's a little bit of preparation. We have to do some things to get ready for this. We've got the cloud of witnesses. We know God has something for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders. If you're an NFL fan... You might have watched some of the combine stuff taking place this week. Or you might have watched the Olympics recently that were on. That word, let us throw off, it's about getting rid of weight. Different translations use different words. Throw off every weight that hinders. Now, the imagery that Paul is using, if you think about it... uh, he talks about competing in the games as well, and we see this, this imagery throughout Paul's letters, and the writer of Hebrews is, is drawing us to that same imagery of people competing. How many of you can imagine someone trying to run a 100-yard dash in a toga? Stop, picture. It wouldn't work very well, would it? A toga is not an appropriate thing to wear to run a 100-yard dash. If you were a runner, you would throw that off because it's in your way. Now, it's interesting. I, I love how, how the Bible testifies to itself. And I want to I share with you a, a little story something that Jesus did here. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. And it shows up in a couple different Gospels. And I'm going to give you the paraphrase version but I want you to see how it illustrates exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Blind Bartimaeus was along the side of the road and and Jesus and his disciples were coming to Jerusalem and it says that he heard that he was coming. And what did he do? Did Did he just sit there? He shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what happened? Well, it says before Jesus heard him, the crowd around him said, shh, shush, stop it. He's not going to hear you. There are going to be times when we know Jesus is there and and we may not be able to see him. But we can hear him and we know he's there. And we will call out to him and there will be people around us saying, shh, stop. Don't do it. An opportunity shows up at work, and you want to share the love of Christ, and you're going to hear someone saying, shh, don't do it. An HR manual. A coworker, something you see on the news, is going to tell you don't do it. But what did he do? He shouted all the more loudly, it says. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out to Jesus, and it says, Jesus heard him and called him to come to him. And how quickly the crowd turned. What did they do? Oh, he's calling you! He's calling you! Get up! Hurry up! Hurry up! Now, suddenly, it's okay. They they told him to get up, and what does he do? He gets up and he throws off his cloak. He gets rid of his cloak. Now, if you're a blind man in Jerusalem in Jesus' day, that's about all you've got. That's your coat. It's your bed. It's, your, it's everything that you have. It's your shelter. It, it is your source of protection in many ways. And yet he throws it off because he knows there's something better. And he says he runs. Can you imagine a blind man throwing off his cloak and running to Jesus? Jesus. And Jesus gives them the wonderful question, what would you have me do for you? And he says, that I would see. And Jesus says, your eyes are restored because of your faith. It's a beautiful representation of throwing off everything that hinders and running to Jesus. Jesus. Not only do we throw off that which hinders us, get rid of the weights, but we get rid of the sin. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you know what it is. I'll say that a different way. You know what yours is. I know what mine is. And you and God can work on that, and he wants to. It's about the song that we sang that said, I surrender all. We've got to get... Everything, not 90%, not 95%. 98% is an A in school, but it's not good enough when it comes to our relationship with Christ. We've got to give it all. We get rid of that which hinders, and we remove the sin that entangles, and we run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, you said you agreed to this earlier, so I just want to remind you, the race marked out for us. Some people like to just take this at a nice high level and say that race is the race of life. It's all the stuff we do in life. And that's kind of true, but I think there's there's a little bit more pointed nature to what's being discussed here. Because we're running a race that God has put before us, has planned out for us. If you've ever run a race, you know that That as you go, there are arrows along the way or cones on the side or flags. There are markers that say, this is the way. Or maybe there's a map that that you've been given before you start a race. It's marked out. You know the path. And the Word of God gives us all of those markers. But it uses this beautiful phrase now in verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes upon Jesus... Most of you probably know the old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song, but I think in some ways it kind of focuses on all those clap-shout sides and kind of forgets maybe some of the difficult sides and the purpose there is in those difficult things. So I think it's a good song, but I don't know if it's complete. Because when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, do this with me. We're about halfway through, and some of you might be getting tired. Stand up with me and face the south wall. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. If all we ever remember is the really great and wonderful, easy stuff. We forget about that. We're four four weeks away from Easter, and, and that is the story of Easter, but it's not the entire story of Easter because if you turn north, that's the next chapter. He didn't stay on the cross. He went to the tomb and was risen again. And that's not the end of the story. We can read it in Hebrews 12, because what happened? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, spent his time in hell, defeated death and the devil, took back the keys, and rose again, what? To sit at the right hand of the Father. You can sit back down. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing there? He's interceding for me and for you. And do you think the Father listens to the voice of his Son, to whom all glory and all honor, all authority on heaven and in earth and under the earth has been given? Do you think he listens to the petitions of his Son on your behalf? Yes, he does. There is no doubt in my mind that God the Father listens to the Son and says yes and amen. Because He went from the cross through the tomb to His right hand by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's that same power that's at work within each and every one of you and me. To what end? So we prepare, we get rid of the stuff that gets in our way, we put off the sin, we get our eyes set upon Jesus, but we don't just look at him, we come to know him. I love what Jeff said Wednesday night, God is continually revealing new parts of his character, through our experiences. And some of those experiences are hard. Some of them are tough. Some of them put us in places where we get to, or we just want to say no. Jesus himself said it the night before that happened. But as we set our eyes upon Jesus, what's the example that we see? Not my will, but thine, Lord. And when we get to that place, now the purpose and the plan that God has for us begins to become more clear. You see, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He looked beyond the situation to what was going to happen. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus returning and his reward is with him. That's you. You are his reward. He saw with eyes that were not focused at the situation right in front of him, but looked beyond it to the joy. Pastor Nathan said it, sometimes it seems like the devil just wants to put a cap on your joy. That happened to me this week. There were several circumstances where somebody said something, Somebody did something, and I wanted to just, really, Lord? Come on, really? This week? And I stepped back, and I said, that's right, Lord. I'm not just preaching Sunday to a congregation. I'm talking to myself. That's what happens. God speaks to you, and then you get to use that maybe to speak with other people. But his his word never goes out without doing something to you. And I had to say, wow, am am I looking at the situation right in front of me like a blind Bartimaeus before Jesus came along? Am I missing it? Am I not seeing it? Or do I understand that persevering through this situation, is going to do something for me? Can I put my faith in the character of God to know that he is faithful and he has something better in mind for me? Maybe this situation has purpose to teach me something. And it was pretty obvious. He said, you're going to preach about persevering through a difficult time and you want to get upset about this? Okay, (laughs) got it. But what did he do with it? What did he do? It's, It's not just about looking at Jesus on the cross and looking at. It's about coming to know him. It's about a race of faith. God, in everything that we do from the day we are conceived to the day we die and go to be with Him, all of it has the purpose of building in us Christ like character. So when I receive blessing, I can say, Thank you, Lord. I can call you, God, my provider. And when I face a difficulty, I can turn to Him as well and say, Thank you, Lord. Because today I see you as God, my strength. God my peace, the one who gives grace, the one who shows mercy, and I see a new facet of his character, and we're continually learning what that means, more of who he is, and and it's it's our faith growing, and I want to share a little bit of an image here, and then we'll wrap up. Sometimes we pray like this. Oh, Lord, I'm so thirsty. Lord, won't you come and refresh me? And we sit and we wait for his answer. Oh, God, hear me. Lord, your word says to be persistent in prayer. And it does. Oh, God, I'm so thirsty. And meanwhile, God's doing this. And sometimes God has to do the van white, right? It's right here. And we sit... Oh, Lord, I'm so thirsty. What's my point? Sometimes we need to do this, we need to take action. You see, it does not say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us sit in our easy chair with patient endurance. There's no lazy boy. I love my leather couch. It is a comfortable couch. But I'm not going to do any running, any training from my couch. We have to run. We have to run. And then when we do, there he is. We know the story of Jericho, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. What did he do? They circled the city. Walked around the wall of the city. How many days? Seven days. And on the seventh day, they walked around how many times? They were doing something. They didn't walk up to the wall and say, God, take down our enemy. They were doing something. And when the wall came down, what did they do? Go back out in the desert and have a party? No, they went in and took the city. They did something. James says that faith without works is what? It's dead. Because if we come to know the character of Christ, we'll be able to see things before us, opportunities, the markers of this race that he has placed there for us so that we might do, that we might do the things that he has prepared in advance as his creation to do. I'm going to ask the ushers if at this time you'd come forward and pass out the cards. We're four weeks from Easter. And this is is just an easy to-do. Okay? All these are are little invitations that you can pass out to people to come and join us on Easter. We're going to have a couple of services, and it's it's going to be powerful. Why? Because God's going to be here, and His Word is going to be preached, and people will have opportunity to step into His presence— And see one of those facets of his character. Maybe the big bright one that says, you're now my child. Pray about who God would put on your heart to give one of those to. If you have a group of people, take a group of them. But don't leave without one. Think about who you could invite. I give this as, as, a, as a, a very easy thing. And some of you are going to say, yeah, but I just, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You don't have to. You have to have the gift of putting your hand out. <laughs> and just be willing to step through a little bit of discomfort and say, hey, I love my church, and we're having an Easter service, and it's going to be great, and I would love for you to be able to join us. That's it. One more little testimony, and then we'll close up. I've been preparing this message this week, and I told you, God had given me little things. Friday, I had a client appointment. I'm, I'm a consultant, um, and one of my coworkers and I had to go to Hudson, Wisconsin to, to talk to a potential customer. <laughs> and so Hudson's about, you know, a 40-minute drive or so at the end of the day from there to downtown when he was going to drop me at my car. And he threw out this question. Now remember, I've been preparing this message this week. And he throws out this question. So what are you doing this weekend? (laughs) Well, Saturday I'm not doing much. And I could hear God saying, But... (laughs) (laughs) But... And on Sunday, I get to preach. Oh, I did it. I did. In my heart, I was like, oh, how's he going to respond? He goes, oh, really? You get to bring the message? Yeah. Do you do that often? No. What are you, t-? oh, and then this was so great. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I just had to say, wow. Okay, God. Doors open, here we go. I'm talking about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Oh, what's that about? I said about it, it, it's about overcoming difficulties and running with perseverance and becoming more like Christ. Oh, what do you think of the WWJD stuff? That's that was his perspective, right? I mean, that's what he he had heard about that. What do you think about that? And I said, Well, it's it's great, it's a good thing. But there's something even even better, I think. Because I want to become so like Christ. I want his character to so be in me that I don't have to stop in every circumstance and say, hmm, what would Jesus do? I want to be able to just walk forward and say, the character of Christ can come out and just let it come out. I don't want to have to stop and think. I just want to do. I just want to be like him. Not that there's anything wrong with asking the question. It's great to build a habit. It's great. But his purpose for us is not just to bump through life from, you know, maybe a circumstance here and there along the way. He wants us to come into the fullness and maturity in him that he's designed us to be. God gave me the opportunity to share with him for 20 minutes on the way back to our our car. 20 minutes. And it was great. He kept asking questions. It was wonderful, and it didn't even hurt. It's a simple example. But God has something better in mind for us. As we go through this transition here at Gateway our job is not to sit and wait and wonder. Our job is to pray fervently. Our job is to listen carefully and constantly. And our job is to run to find those opportunities. How exciting would it be if we as a congregation could stand up? I'm not saying that this is something we need to go. This is not prophetic in any way. It's just a way to think about it. How awesome would it be to say, you know what, pastor that's going to be jumping in here, one of the first things you're going to have to do is figure out how to transition to two services because we're too full. I'd like to see that. That means I've got to run. It means I've got to get over myself. It's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my desire. I don't want to be like the Corinthians. Paul said to them, you know, why do you quarrel amongst yourselves? It's because you don't get what you want. I don't want to be that. And I don't think that's who we are. I think who we are is meeting and connecting with people that draw us into situations. I once spoke at the the prison to a group of men and there were people from 12 different countries represented there. 12 different countries in one room a mile away. And you see that all the time. Thousands of miles away, God has placed Jeff and Laura in a place with opportunity, with cones marking the way. The guy at the coffee shop. How are you going to run? As we close up, I'm going to ask um, Pastor Nathan, could you come back, please? And just pray. I I don't want to end this without giving you opportunity. If there is someone here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Come and talk to me afterwards. Prayer ministers, if if you could come forward. If you struggle with fear, if you struggle with just getting over that first thing, take advantage of the prayer ministry that is here. Come and have someone that's part of this body of Christ speak encouragement into your life. So prayer ministry, if you could come forward, if you're here, Jeff and Laura, would you join, please, too? I think God is going to use you today to speak to people. And for the rest of you, I just want you to know that the the opportunity is here. Take advantage of it. For the rest of you, receive a benediction and go out the doors and run. Run. Throw off the cloak and run. Be careful, it's slippery. But run. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for Gateway Church. And I thank you that you have something better in mind for us. That you are drawing us into a new season. Lord, I ask that each and every one of us individually as a body would accept the challenge to run with perseverance the race that you have marked out for us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Bless us now as we go. Give us strength and power by your Holy Spirit. Let your love dwell in us mightily that it would wash away all fear. Help us to be obedient to your word, to your calling, to the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go and run.